Internal Revenue Service IRS tax tip. Tax filing step one, gather all year-end income documents. But first, an attempt at a joke. I apologize in advance. The IRS is auditing me again, and I'll tell you what, I won't stand for it. Not again. Last time they did this, I totally stood for it, and my legs got really tired. I won't stand for it this time. If anybody needs me, I'll be sitting in the corner on the floor. Because I won't stand for it. I demand a chair as I write this dang check to the IRS. COVID tax tip 2022-04 January 6, 2022. As taxpayers are getting ready to file their taxes, the first thing they should do is gather their records. To avoid processing delays that may slow their refund, taxpayers should gather all year-end income documents before filing a 2021 tax return. It's important for people to have all the necessary documents before starting to prepare their return. This helps them file a complete and accurate tax return. Here are some things taxpayers need to have before they begin doing their taxes. Social security numbers of everyone listed on the tax return. So obviously the government sees us as a number. If we don't have a number, the government doesn't recognize us. And if you try to file electronically with tax software without a number, then most likely it'll be bounced back and it won't be able to go through, which might be good actually, because again, you'll have the wrong number and you wanna make sure that you're applying the right number so they know who you are uh, with it. So many taxpayers have this number memorized. Still, it's a good idea to have them on hand to double check that the numbers on the tax return are correct. The SSN or social security number with one number wrong or two numbers switched will cause the processing delays. So it'll obviously cause a problem if they can't recognize the social security number. So bank account and routing numbers. Now, if you're going to be uh, putting the information in terms of direct deposit, for example, if you're expecting a refund or if you're making a payment at the point in time that the tax return is being processed and you're putting your banking information, then of course, that's a number as well that the government needs to recognize in order to get the right place to send the refund. If it's a wrong number, it's going to cause them problems with the processing as well, and that could delay any kind of refund that you might be getting or the processing of the return, which is obviously bad when you want the refund. Typically, if you're getting uh, money back, maybe yeah, maybe it's not you know the worst thing in the world, but you don't want to get any penalties and interest related to it or anything like that. So in any case, people would need this first direct deposit uh, refunds. Direct deposit is the fastest way. There's a link to the direct deposit here for taxpayers to get their money and avoid a check getting lost, stolen, or returned to the IRS as undeliverable. So they're really encouraging the direct deposit information at this point in time, which would require basically generally a routing number. Don't have a bank account? Learn how to open an account on FDIC-insured banks. So if you're, if you're getting a paper check and you want to, say, get the direct deposit, possibly to get your refund faster, you can look into these bank uh, areas, which might allow you to get a bank account, of course, so that you can have the direct deposit. So they also have the National Credit Union. There's a link to that here, a local tool. There's the Veterans Can Access the Veterans Benefit Banking Program. So there's links to those items here. Form W-2 from employers. So the most obvious form that we would, of course, need the W-2 form if we're going to be, if we are an employee in order to prepare the tax return, that having our income from our employer and the withholdings from that income uh, for federal income tax, Social Security, Medicare, and so on. Forms 1099 from banks issuing agencies and other payers, including unemployment compensation, dividends, distributions from a pension, annuity, or retirement plan. So remember, as you branch away from your income from your employer, you might ask, well, are other things going to be required to be reported as income? 
and generally the IRS is attempting to try to pressure the payer to try to send documentation on, on your income, meaning, and the most obvious example is, of course, the W-2, because the, the government uh, pressures the employer to force them to issue the W-2, which is the income to you, because they have the leverage over the employer, because the employer wants to get a deduction, because it's an expense on their side. So everything usually is going to be income to one person and an expense to the other person. So usually when you're, when you're thinking about is it going to be income, the general rule is uh, if it, it, it's income unless the IRS basically says otherwise, kind of specifically in the code. And for many types of income, like standard normal kinds of income that usually come to mind, uh, you, you'll get documentation from it from the payer oftentimes, if not in the form of a W-2, possibly then in the form of a 1099. The 1099 doesn't necessarily mean that it's required to be an income uh, for sure, but it's an indication form that the payer is, is required to give you a 1099 because you, they paid you something or were a facilitator of a payment in some way, and so you want to consider if you need to be adding it to the tax return. So that would, of course, include agencies that uh, for unemployment compensation. Now, notice that unemployment compensation, you might be confused about that at this point because it used to be something that was included in income. It might be something that you've never really dealt with before, but you might have been having to deal with it for the last couple of years or something like that. And so it used to always be an income. Then they made kind of an exception in 2020, uh, in 2020 for the 2020 tax return, which was done really kind of late. And so, but now we're back to the normal rules, basically, where you would think that the unemployment compensation would be added. Dividends is usually going to be coming when you, from your investments. Remember that your investments might be in like a 401k plan or an IRA, in which case you might, you know, get different documentation because that, that is under the umbrella of something that's going to be a retirement plan. So you might not have the same tax implications with regards to the income from it. If it's outside of the umbrella of some kind of retirement plan, a 401k plan or an IRA or something like that, then you'd get the dividends and that's from the brokerage, who's again, a big financial institution, which the government is now forcing you know, them, of course, to send out the income information so that they can verify that you're reporting the income information on the tax return. And note that this documentation, the W-2s and the 1099s, aren't just, it's not just like, well, the government's doing this in order to be nice to force these companies to give you the information. No, what they really want is this information going to the government. So basically, they have these documentations. You want to make sure that you fill out your tax return in accordance with them because they're going to be double-checked to the documentation that the government got to verify that your income uh, is being reported and you're paying your taxes. So distributions from the pension plan. So distributions from a pension plan may be taxable. And of course, you, you would think the institution would be giving you some kind of 1099, a 1099 miscellaneous. So you might get other 1099s for uh, if you're working for someone else as a contractor or something else, or you have some other kind of miscellaneous income that's coming in, in which case you might not get a 1099 too if you're like a sole proprietorship sometimes, but you still need to record that as income, you know, for a business income, uh, any income that you have there typically, and W-2 or other income statements, income statements. So we got the form 1099-K, 1099 miscellaneous, W-2 or other income statements, workers in the gig economy. So notice that the gig economy is something a lot of more people are kind of 
jumping into or at least picking up as side work, especially as we've had the downturn and people are working from home and whatnot. And it's always been kind of a problem. It's kind of like cash to the government. The government doesn't like cash because if you pay someone a tip or something like that, the classic people that get paid from people that are non-business uh, entities are a problem for the government to verify. So the classic scenarios is any kind of a nail salon or a hair salon or like a, a, a bar or something like that where people are getting tips, people are getting paid from customers, people are getting cash payments. It's a lot more difficult for the IRS. They can't pressure the payer, which in this case is just a, just one person, not a business, because the person's not getting a deduction to tell the IRS that they gave you money and they gave it to you in cash. And so the government can't track that as much. That's why they're suspicious sometimes of these types of entities like restaurants, hair salons, nail salons. I think they kind of cracked down on them uh, over the COVID thing out of out of frustration of, of <laughs> dealing with these businesses in the first place because they have a cash base. But maybe that's probably over the top. But in any case, <laughs> the other one is the gig economy because that's basically just a platform that is facilitating, you know, a transaction between entities as well. So the government's trying to trying to make the platform, even though they're not really the payer in that situation, so it's a little bit more difficult, but they're trying to make the platform be the one that is going to force you to have to make them issue the 1099s and whatnot. So they're trying to stranglehold the gig economy until it falls to the ground and dies and withers away. But you might get a, you might get some form related to the gig economy work, but obviously any income that you're getting from like a side business, uh, you should be reporting as income whether you get the form or not. So that's the form 1099K, uh, 1099 miscellaneous W-2 or other income statement workers in the gig economy form 1099 interest, obviously from your bank. Interest rates are still fairly low, so it might not be a significant amount, but from the bank, you're still getting the interest. We would expect maybe next year as inflation goes up and whatnot, that uh, interest might be more uh, significant, but you get the 1099 from the bank. Obviously, again, the government pressuring the financial institution that's paying you the interest to tell both you and them about the income so they can check on you. Other income documents and records of virtual currency transactions. So virtual currency transactions is another area that the government hasn't got a stranglehold on yet so that they're worried about that stuff. So you got you to make sure you're recording your income related to that. Form 1095A, Health Insurance Marketplace Statement. So there's a link to that here. Taxpayers will need this form to reconcile advance payments or claim the premium tax credit. So if you're participating in the health insurance marketplace, then you're probably getting a benefit of basically a prepayment. It works in a similar way as we're getting used to, which is like their new thing these days. They give you like a prepayment for the, for the advanced child tax credits. It is a prepayment for the child tax credit, and then you're going to have to match the two things out at the end of the year. And we've also seen it with the stimulus payments are basically prepayments of the recovery rebate credit. And the health insurance marketplace is in the same kind of vein, but the prepayments aren't just giving you cash in that case. They're lowering the premiums that you're going to be paying for the insurance coverage. So that means that you didn't have to pay as much cash for the insurance coverage because they're anticipating that a credit's going to be gotten at the end of the year. And then you got to calculate what the actual credit was when you file the tax return for 2021 in 2022. Compare it then to the amount of reduction you got in the premium, which is pretty much kind of like a prepayment, kind of similar to the advanced child tax credit payment, and see if you get any more benefit and or if you owe money back for that. Is it going to increase or decrease 
the liability. And then you got the letter 6419-2020 fund total advanced child tax credit payments to reconcile advanced child tax credit payments. So this is the other advanced thing. Again, this is like their favorite tool these days. They're going to give money out in advance. Um, you know, it's going to live. They take loans out in advance and spend money and they give money out in advance of the tax return and whatnot. This is their thing. So that means that the child tax credit, you'll recall, is something that usually you're going to file the tax return. So if it was for 2021, you'd be filing the, the tax return in by April 15th of 2022, calculating the child tax credit. But then they took half of it and they gave it out in advance payments in 2021. So what are we going to have to do when we file at this point in time? Well, we're going to have to file the tax return, calculate what the actual uh, tax credit was, which is different than the prior year because they increased it and they made some of it non-refundable and so forth. And they changed some of the requirements related to it. And then we're going to have to take the advanced payments and subtract them out from the, the amount that we calculated, which should add up to half, I believe. So you still get half of the credit in essence if everything worked out and all the advance payments went out properly. And then you've got the letter 6475, your 2021 economic impact payment to determine eligibility to claim the recovery rebate credits. This is the same vein. So they had they tied the recovery rebate credit, which is the stimulus payment, to the 2021 tax return, which is going to be filed by April 15th of 2022. And then they sent out the prepayment which in this case would be the entire thing in the form of the stimulus payment, the economic impact payment, whatever you want to call it. And so if that everything worked properly there, then you wouldn't be claiming the recovery rebate credit at all because you would have already you would have already got the benefit because you got the prepayment uh, there. And notice that this only applies to the third economic impact payment because the prior two economic impact payments were the same layout, but they were in the prior year. So we're really looking at the third one when we're thinking about the 2021 return that's going to be filed in 2022. Now, if you're a tax professional and or if you're doing your own taxes, you might want to try to file or sign in or encourage your clients to sign in to their IRS website because that might give them more access to some of this stuff like these prepayments. They might give them if they don't have the forms of the form 1095A, maybe they can find it on their on their account because you know these questions are going to come up. If they don't, you're going to ask, well, did you do you have the health insurance marketplace? How much did you get paid on on that? Did, do you have your advanced child tax credit payments? How much did you get? Did did you get your economic impact payment? So if they and they answer, I don't I don't really know. It was like a like a couple months ago, a year ago. Well, then maybe if they're signed into their their IRS account, or if you're signed in, if everyone's signed in, because I wouldn't remember either, then it might make it a little bit easier to find this information if you don't have the documentation there, because people aren't used to this documentation, so they might not hold on to it quite as readily as they would like a W-2 form. In any case, forms usually starting arriving by mail or available online from employers and financial institutions in January. Taxpayers should review them carefully. If any information shown on the forms is in inaccurate, the taxpayer should contact the payer ASAP for correction. Also, so realize that if these forms are wrong, if you got a wrong 1099 form, for example, and it shouldn't have been income, then the thing you want to do is go to the source document, the person that issued the 1099, and see if they can correct it. Because if you file the tax return with a different number than that's on the 1099, remember what these things are for. They're not really just to help you to make things accurate. 
they're going to the government so that the government can double check that you are reporting your, your income. The government for many taxpayers could actually just create the tax return themselves, you know, but you know, they're still giving you kind of the illusion that we're, we're doing our own kind of thing here and they're trusting us with it and whatnot. But you, so they have, so if you put something different on the tax return, then uh, they're going to kick it back almost automatically because it's going to not match up within their computer system. So, so if it's inaccurate, you want to go to the issuer of the 1099 and see if you can correct it so that you don't have to go through the problem. You still want to report your tax return, which you believe is accurately, even if the 1099 is wrong, and then it's going to, it's going to delay the refund if you don't get it corrected and whatnot. You're going to have to deal with the, with the back and forth with it, most likely. But the fastest way to get it fixed is to go to the issuer of the 1099 and tell them to reissue the 1099 correctly so that the IRS has the proper information so that when you report the proper information, the IRS can tie it out to the information they got from the payer and everything will uh, hopefully run through their system smoothly and you can get your refund.